You're listening to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes Podcast. Today we are blessed and honored to have um, none other than the great Nate, a Brooklyn native, to be with us. He um, worked his way up the ranks from humble beginnings in 2011. He refereed high school basketball, moving on to coll- the collegiate level in 2013, to now officiating the NBA G League since 2016. For the last seven seasons, Nate has been living his dream of bringing fairness and structure to the game he loves as a college and NBA G League referee. Today, Nate is also mixing the life skills he learned as an athlete and professional referee with the launch of his nonprofit organization, Plant the Seed. New York City, a youth life skills development organization, uh, helping children learn the fundamentals for success in sports, work, and in life. Uh, first, I want to welcome you, Nate, uh, to the podcast. Thanks for having me, Evan. Yeah, but great to have you. Great to have you. So, as a referee, I, I'm sure one, you get called everything but a child of God on the basketball court. <laughs> uh, but what led you to want to get involved in refereeing in a professional level? Um, in a professional, what what led me? In, just um, just to start off with, you know. At first, I just wanted to do it as um, some extra money because, you know, you know, doing rec ball in leagues like that, you make pretty good cash, you know, that's tax free. So, you know, I wanted to do it for extra money. And then one day, you know, I was taking a training class and the guy that runs the class, John Colson, he said, you know, who in here actually wants to be serious about it? And I didn't raise my hand. I'm like, I'm just here to give me a couple of dollars. And then a couple of weeks later, after, you know, actually doing some kids games, he asked a question again. He said, who in here is serious about want to make this a profession? And I raised my hand. And, I, you know, ever since then, that's that's a story. And that's what made me I, the love for the game. Being a player for the last 30 plus years, you know, from high school all the way up to getting an opportunity to play semi-professional basketball, you know, being a part of the game and blowing the whistle and seeing how the game has grown and developed, you know, just made me wanting to stay apart and happen to be an official is just being a great part of the game. Cool. Cool. Nate. So let's go back, 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 back in the days. Um, I want you to tell the story about that day we first saw Stephon Marbury at the Grady gym. I know we're going way back. I remember that story you told me and how the coach messed up. But tell me the first time you saw him and your imprints about Stefan Marbury. Well, you know, the first time, well, that's not actually the first time. Um, true. Me and Stefan Marbury have been competing against each other since probably eight years old, nine years old. You know, growing up, I played for a team called Brain Power, and I remember him playing for a team called Young Life. And we competed and we competed in high school. Never got to play against each other in college. But high school, was it was crazy, you know. I, I don't know, Phil, remember how packed the gym was. You couldn't even get in the gym. First of all, our gym only had probably like two rows of seats. And, <laughs> and the other side was our weight room. So you got to be careful. You're going to run right into the weights. 
but it, it's just amazing. Stephon Marbury is, you know, you can say there's Pearl and there's Kenny. You know, I never got to play against those guys, but Stephon Marbury in, in my book is goes down as the number one point guard that I have seen that has he was a pro player in high school. You couldn't touch him in high school. He 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 did pro moves in high school and you know so dynamic he was dynamic for the game in new york he was dynamic for his community you know and he's still doing community stuff you know i seen him last summer and he's still working in the community just a dynamic player in person as well nate this this is kelvin right here nate um question for you so and everybody's line of work pretty much you know you run into some some politics and I can imagine, you know, especially being a ref, you 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 know, you work your way up uh, the ranks, and uh, and I guess your, your final aspiration is to go to the NBA. Um, so my question was, you know, what's the politics on the ref side of things? Do you feel like it's a political, you know, it's a political game with the refs, and what would it look like, you know, in your perspective? You know, in 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 everything in life. In, in outside of basketball, you know, inside of basketball is, is always um, a political um, game. You know, playing basketball, it was political because you had to be in front of the right people and having your, your, your high school coach talking to the right college recruiters and college coaches. So he was, in a sense, politically advocating for you on that level and same thing when you're playing pro basketball your your agent is your 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 politician your your congressman and you know when it comes down to officiating you know a lot is based on your skill level but am I going to sit here and lie and say does it, it help to know someone it sure does it sure does you know someone that you know can talk to someone that can get you in front of the right people you know and that's the whole thing. You can, someone can put you in some in front of the right person, but if you're not ready, then you know it's all on you. You know, so it's always good to know someone that can put you in front of that person. That now you have the opportunity to now display your skills. So yeah, I'm gonna say there's politics that's involved definitely, but at the end of the day, it comes down to to how you handle yourself on the court that's gonna give you longevity in this game. Got you. Okay. Um, one quick question I would have is, um, as a referee, how do you kind of, I know sometimes going to a higher level, it, it's always like a transition. And so what level would you say has been the most difficult? And what level have you, would you say you enjoyed the most? As far as trying to get to the high level, what's the most difficult level? No, in terms of actually refereeing the game, which is the most difficult level? Wow. You know, it's going to, it's funny that I'm going to say this, but people don't really know kids. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about I, that. I am so serious. Kids is, is, is the most difficult level of the referee because once, once you go up in skill, the game becomes easier it becomes easier to officiate because the players know what to do. You don't have to say this to them. You don't have to say that. You don't have to say move. You don't have to say anything. You know, once their skill level starts to take over, then it becomes easier to officiate. Kids now, you have to sit there now and decipher 
what you're going to call in a kids game because if you watch kids basketball, Phil coaches, there's 8,000 travels. You can call travel all day long in a game. You can call double dribble all day long. You can call the crazy fouls all day long. You will never get through a kid's game. So the kid's, kid's game is, is, is the most difficult. And then you got the crazy parents on the side. I, I'd rather deal with the guy on, in the, uh, with 30,000 in the arena yelling at me. And I can still hear him because, trust me, in the 30,000 arena, when someone wants to yell at you, that you're going to hear them. And what versus that parent on the arm, that side of that court, that's just giving it to you the whole game. And you don't know what to call because everything's a foul, everything's a travel. So in a sense, yes, kids' game is difficult. But the NBA game on, on another side of the coin it is a very difficult game. Is um, the, the level of basketball, the athleticism combined with the skill is just, it's just amazing um, what you see these guys do. I am telling you, I, um, I had one of his brothers and I, he was playing on the, he jumped from one side of the block to the other side to block a shot. That's almost, anytime a player does that, that's, that's goaltending. Cause there's no way you can get to the ball that quick and how the, the speed of the ball and the shot where it's taken from is nine times out of 10 as a goaltender. He actually went back when we went back and looked at it because we didn't call it on the on the floor. He actually went back. It was a clean block, and we were okay with it because anybody would said no, it's goaltending. But the 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 level, you know, these guys get to the um the ball, they the the, the tricks that they play. Trust me, there we are updating the rules every year because every is he's one of the best. It's not a try. Everybody on scream is a travel. No, he read the rule book and the first step is considered a zero step. And, you know, it, it takes a lot to stay in the NBA besides skill. So the NBA level is growing on as fast as quick. The guys are athletic. They shoot, they shooting the ball from you before we, you know, we had to change our mechanics in the last two years because of these guys are shooting the ball from anywhere. So now we have to, figure out a way where we can get between the defender and the shooter and make sure there's um, league, no illegal contact. So, you know, the NBA game is hard. College game is hard, but the NBA is, is so much into it. It's so much that we have to do, so much that we have to do as officials to study. People don't know the, the hours that we put into the game before, after, um, during. It, it's, it's, just so, it's just so much that goes into it. But to answer your question, the kids' game is tougher, but the NBA game, as far as on the flip side of the coin, if we're talking on a grown level, as far as that, is definitely NBA. Okay, good. Cool, cool. So I just want to ask you, Nate, um, how do you maintain control of the game without really interfering with the game, if that makes sense? It makes sense. So, you know, what we try to do as officials is that we have our um our guideline um rules that we go by you know you know no forearms on the, the perimeter you know on the post no knees in the, in the back things of that nature but you know we want to see a flow to the game we we no one is there to see us officiate they're here to see the players right we're there to enforce the guidelines given to us 
So what we try to do, we just try to get a sense of how the game is, is going and how it's developing and how we need to interject ourselves into the game. So you have to know points in time during the game where as an official that you interject yourself into the game. You know, if the game is starting to get rough, you know that we need to clean it up. So now you're going to get more whistles. Guys don't like it, but you're going to now play to the tune of our whistle. We allow you guys to have a flow to the game, but now things are becoming illegal and we don't want the game to get out of hand and we're going to keep the game in control by using our whistle. But also, you know, your personality too. You know, you can't, this is not a league where you're going to come out here and be a correction officer. <laughs> that's not happening you know you have to have some personality you have to be approachable and um you have to have be able to communicate this is a game of great communication communication with the players but most importantly communication with the coaches it's important to have great communication if you can have if there's a lot of great officials one of one of the great officials in the game you know ronnie nunn he was a great communicator Great communicator. It's, it's, you know, you, it's not all about technical foul. Technical fouls are given only when they're deserved. We're not coming into the game and say, oh, we don't like this player. We're going to hit him with technical fouls. No, no. But we, we like to communicate and we use our communication as our advocate to keep the game in control and not interject ourselves into the game, but also making sure that the players are abiding by the guidelines and the rules for the game. Cool, cool. So you got you kind of dove into preparation. Could you give us a, a preparation prior to NBA game from that day? You know, you this the two teams you're gonna um, ref. What does that preparation yeah. look like for someone so, outside? You know, mo yeah. So most of the time, we, you know, we have our schedule. So what we try to do, unless there's some type of extenuating circumstances in which you can't. But we're in the city the, the night before the game and our crew tree will set up. We'll have a day meeting, which can take place around 11 o'clock. At that time, we'll meet up and then we'll um, discuss, you know, the two teams that are playing. You know, we'll watch some film on um, the two teams. We are, and we also watch films of some difficult plays that we may have had on um, the night before, a couple of games before, so we can learn from them. You know, we, what we're doing, we're just trying to, to learn. And, and, and that's what we're about is learning. So at our day meeting, we do that. We go through some rule stuff. We discuss some rule tests on questions because every um, week the NBA sends out a rule test. So we're doing our OIW test um, every week. So we'll discuss rules tests. Um, we go through some film and most of all, our most important thing is our nap. <laughs> you know, some people don't nap, but it is really important to, to have that rest before the game because you have to have, you know, 48 minutes of concentration. You know, we're trained to have 48 minutes of concentration. There's no letdown at all. We can't have, we, we, we're not afforded the opportunity to have um, mental lapse. So we have 48 minutes of straight con concentration at the highest level. So, you know, early on, I didn't take my naps and I learned the hard way, but I never miss my, on my naps. Now, nobody, I shut my phone off. I have to have my naps. And then, 
you know, we get up, you know, we head over to the arena and then we'll have our pregame for about a good hour and a half. We're discussing, once again, plays, characteristics of players, coaches, um, even the arena, the crowd, you know, if we have certain situations, how things need to be handled. So a lot goes into just the preparation. And then after the game is even more, you know, I was talking to a family member yesterday and he was like, well, after the game, do you guys get on the plane and just go home? I said, no. I said, we may go eat if, if, if we're lucky, but we're watching film, you know, for three and four hours after the game, writing notes down and things that we could have done better. And, you know, things that, that, that took place in the game and the game record and things of that nature. So, it's a never, it's never ending story. Our preparation that goes into it. And, you know, most of the time I'm up early in the morning because I want to get my workout in. It's important to me that I have my workout. It, you know, it's just ingrained in me. Like if I don't work out, I don't feel right before my game. So, you know, so I'm up early. So my day can start at six. I may have a nap at three for an hour and then we're back at it until maybe three or four in the morning again. And then that's when we head to the airport and we heading on our flights if we got to leave early in the morning. So a lot goes into it. It's a lot of work. Nate, man, you gave me a newfound respect for refs. I'm going to tell you that right now. <laughs> <laughs> so so what I want to know, more like the humanistic element in refing, you know what I'm saying? Like uh, in terms of like, is it like hitting rules, you know, of officiating, you know, uh, for example, the makeup call. <laughs> so, 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 are we, so, growing up, you know, you playing ball. To me, it seemed like, you know, the, the, the human element in refing is sometimes they make a bad call and they got to make it up. Is that something that you guys talk about, or is it something that's not that's not talked about? Because it seems like it happened in every sport. But I know you, you know, just tell me how that works, or if it's a, if it's something made up. <laughs> you know. You know what? When uh, <laughs> it, I tell you, I I am so surprised that I'm a referee right now because I was the worst against referees. I used to give it to them <laughs> left and right. I know in college when they used to see me coming, it was like, oh my god. But because I used to, I used to think the same way. I used to think the same way about the makeup call, but. In all honesty, from being around this game for so long and learning, it's not necessarily a makeup call because a, a, fish, a, fish, a good official with a, a good conscience and an understanding knows when he messed up. He knows when he messed up. And, you know, sometimes when guys, you guys are coming at us and we don't want to admit that we messed up, you know, it kind of put us in, in the rabbit hole. So. You know, what he tries to do is that I know I messed up. Everybody's coming at me because I messed up. So on that next play, I may try to, even though it may not been a foul, but it been close to, I'm going to try to do something right. Right, right. Right. You know, so it's not necessarily uh, I'm going to make up. Is like I know I messed up and, you know, and I'm going to try to make it right. And, and try to give something close, which is not necessarily a good thing. You know, we all learn bad habits, and that's a bad habit. It is, it's a bad habit to do that because of the simple fact that it can seriously go left. And I've been in games where I've done that, 
I'm not going to sit here and say I'm a saint because we all learn from our mistakes that I thought it was going to go right, but it only kept going downhill from there because now I have both teams coming at my neck. Right. 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 So, right. So I want to get you in trouble, man. I just, no, 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 no. It, 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 you're not going to get me in trouble. It's, it's honesty. It's honesty. Right. You know, it's growing pains in, in the beginning, in the beginning, you know, when I first started officiating, because I'm, remember, I'm transitioning from a player to a, a, a referee. So I'm assuming that that's what referees did was make up, you know, make up calls because they missed something on that. So now I'm still thinking as a player that if I do that, then that, you know, that would resolve the, the situation. And mm -hmm. I learned early in my career that only makes stuff worse. Gotcha. It only makes things worse. So, you know, the only the only way to 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 resolve the situation is just to officiate the game. If you mess up, move on to the next play. Because if you think about it, it's gonna hold you down. So move on to the next play and referee that next play with no conscience of the last play. But just rem you still need to remember in the back of your mind that I messed up and I can't let that happen again. I can't call that same foul again. I can't call that travel again or whatever I call. You mess up, you move on to the next play. Don't try to go back and correct it, because if you try to do that, you're going to be down the pipe, I'm telling you. Gotcha. Um, so, Nate, I don't know if you know, you're talking to another ref. Now, I'm not an NBA ref. I don't ref at any high level, but I, <laughs> I was a, I've ref basketball games, but I've also uh, I used to pay my way, uh, just to get a little extra side hustle change when I was uh, in school, I would um, I would play the umpire in a in the softball, mm -hmm. and so one time it was a playoff game. It was the semifinal, right for the championship, and <clears throat> it was a crucial play. I mean, it, it 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 determined the game. I'm not gonna lie to you. The team that I called the call on knocked us out the playoffs. Now it wasn't a biased call, but they took it that way. So the guy. Left base, <laughs> he came. He 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 he. His third base. He headed home. Then he realized he couldn't make it. Came back, but the from my angle, the ball got back and he got tagged out. End of the inning, game over. Now the whole team pretty much ran at me. <laughs> so in, you know, I'm a preacher. I try to be a Christian, but I was ready to. To, 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 to lay holy hands if it came to it. But how does a ref keep their composure when things start getting a little bit crazy on the court? Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, that I, Evan, I've been there, man. I've been there countless times, man. I've been there countless times. I, I know and I feel your pain. It, it, it's very, it's very hard, you know, the human part of the whole business is that, you know, people don't see us for the human being. All they see is the stripes, right? So they don't think that, you know, we make mistakes or, you know, things like that can happen, you know, and it's, and it's really tough, you know, because yeah, we made a mistake and it, 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 it cost them the game. I had, I had, calls that you know that i had you know in high in a high school championship that you know that i 
should have made that I didn't make and the same thing happened the team lost and you know and they everybody kept running at me but it's hard and to to you know maintain your composure I tell everyone that gets involved in this I said if you don't have thick skin you can't you can't do this business because you're gonna have everybody and they, 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 their mother wanting to fight you after games there's times that we've been chased out of parks in New York trust me there's times that you know, you, you know, when you tell a person, yeah, I was in such and such park officiating and they look at you like, what, what, what you doing there? You know, you know, you put yourself in certain situations, but at the end of the day, you, you, you have to maintain your composure and understand that it is a game. And, and when, if you were a player, sometimes your emotions ran high and you react the same way. And, and it's hard, trust me. I know I'm a Christian just like you, but I tell you, I, I put the cross in my back pocket and, and I'll be ready and I'll be ready and I'll be ready to go. I'm telling you, I'll be, I'll be ready to go. So, you know, it, it, it's hard, but you, you, you know, like I said earlier, alluded to is being a communicator. And one thing, you know, what I love about New York City basketball if you can if you can officiate in New York City basketball, you can officiate anywhere in the world. You can officiate in Europe where they're they're chasing you and throwing Molotov cocktails at you, you know, mm. officials in Europe. I remember those days of seeing stuff like that, you know, so um because they thought that the official cost the team the game and you know, things of that nature. But in New York, what it teaches you to, you know, being in, in the park and in situations is that it, you, you develop communication skills. You know, it ain't, you ain't going to be able to fight everybody in the park. <laughs> that's, just, that's just not going to happen. So you better be able to talk your way out of situations and be communicate. One thing I learned about this game is that, yeah, you're going to have some players that just, that you know that are just tyrannies you know them when they come in the park on teams that they play on that there's no matter what you say to them it's just not gonna it's just not gonna get through but then you got guys that are just want to play basketball and if you treat them with respect and treat them as a person and you know that's like anything in life it goes a long way in how you talk to the players you know so you know, can be a good communicator, you know, that 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 really um gets you out of situation and you know your your composure is just will come in with the game. If you're comfortable out there, then you know, your composure. A lot of guys try to take on games that, you know, especially in the summertime, they take on high level games. If you're used to doing high school and you take on a pro game and you never done pro before, you're unsettled out there. Or you're not, you don't know what to call. So now the guys, the guys on the court see that. So the guys behind the gate see that. Now you all over the place. Now it, there's no composure. So you, you know, being environments. You know, I recommend being in an environment where it's comfortable to you. You know, don't go into a pro environment if you're not used to doing pro games and you're a high school official. There's nothing wrong with being a high school official. I actually love doing high school games because the kids get at it more to me than the, the pro games in the summertime, you know? So um, composure comes with the game, but communication goes a long way with the players. I'm telling you, New York, you got to communicate, you know, in these parks because 
these guys are behind the gate threatening you and they serious, you know, they betting money on the game. You don't know that they betting money on the game. You don't have no parts of that part of that part. All you hear is do, all you hear is to do is to is to officiate the game, but that's what happened in the summertime in the parks. You're not a part of that element of the game. You're just here to officiate the game and you hear all type of stuff. I bet this on the game, this and that. I don't I tell guys I don't have nothing to do with that. That's I'm just here to officiate a fair game and 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 leave with my life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we have the I'm gonna just stay in the same vein when it comes to the the complicated calls. So at any point, of course, when a game is closed, how do you just know it's time to swallow the whistle? Well, it's not necessarily we don't we don't never swallow the whistle. That's 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 the terms that everybody out on the outside use. We don't swallow the whistle. In all actuality, the last four minutes of the game, our our intensity goes up, our attention to detail goes up, our you know our communication amongst each other, amongst the players, the culture goes up. We're 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 at a heightened level in the last four to two minutes. So we don't we don't swallow the whistle. We we're out there to to, to give both teams a, a fair advantage of, of, of um, winning the game. So I know that people think you swallow the whistle or, oh, we're not going to call that. No, if, if, if it's a foul, you know, we're going to call it. Now, a lot of people say think of swallowing the whistle. There's some stuff that the game is going on and it's so heated that as officials, we just don't see. And everybody at home sees it because everybody at home is the best official on their couch. So they, oh, you rep, you miss that's a foul, that rep, that, that. Yeah, you've seen it at home. You got, what, what is it, 5K now? They don't 4K, so everybody see that. But there's sometimes there's stuff happening in the game, you know, that, you know, it misses, we miss and, you know, but in the last four minutes, we're definitely at the top of our game. You know, we're, we're the best in the world when it comes to that in the last four minutes, you know, they did a, what, a, a two minute report. And for the last couple of years, everybody was like, oh, this and that, but check the two minute report. We're on top of our game in the last, especially in the last two minutes of the game. So I know people would like to think we swallow our whistle. I would not say swallow whistle. I just say, you know, sometimes we miss things out there. Uh, okay. Now, <laughs> you already know I'm coming with you, man. You know. That's all right. It's That's all no love. problem. It's all, it's it's all, all love. It, it's no problem. That's no problem. It's, it's I do, all... Trust me, ever since I became an official, my friends and my family members, they don't like to watch on basketball games with me because they try to get at me. <laughs> they try to get at me the same way about the whole, oh, you guys are just doing this now. No, I got you. I got no, you. I tell it's people, all Blue Lives Matter right now. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> so Nate, so Nate, yeah. oh, my question, my question would be like, um, so, all right, so LeBron is my topic right here, right? Like in the NBA, do the refs ref a little bit differently from other levels of basketball just because the entertainment value, you know? So for for example, it's obvious and evident. A lot of times with Brian, Brian and walking, you know what I'm saying, and and to the point where NBA says now, you know, I rem I think it was a statement they made. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
that they're, they're going to view or call certain calls a little bit more um, than they than they have in the past. You know what I'm saying? Because overseas was totally different from, you know, that game is being called totally different. And I think it might have some type of things to do with the Olympics and everything. But, but you know, just staying on Brian Brian. You can touch on everything I said, but just staying on Brian Brian. We know Brian be walking a lot of the times. <laughs> and I feel like they don't call it because – the entertainment value is it is it something like there or not talked about or talked about that you know you can't you 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 got you have to I don't know if I want to say swallow whistle but you can't you can't be the notable person in arena because nobody came to see you so certain things you just won't call. Let <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's just say this in the last. Two to three years has been um, a point of emphasis on on travels. You know, um, it's not on other players as well. You know, when we sit in our preseason meetings or we re- receive um, plays from management, you know, on a weekly daily, not weekly daily basis, you know, on missed travels, there's a bunch of other plays. You know, you know, thank. Thankfully, you know, we have a solid mechanic system, which, you know, when things are being missed, our management team is is very good at going back to the kitchen and seeing why we missing things. And they switch up our mechanic system so we don't miss those travels. So, for instance, a point of emphasis, like I said, for the last couple of seasons have been on travels. Trust me. They're serious about it. So it's not for, I know the NBA, everybody view it as entertainment. Yes, it's entertainment. And as officials, we don't want to interject ourselves into the game, but we're not out there missing travels because it is, and we're not calling it. We're missing travels because of things that we're not doing as officials or things that we're not being disciplined as officials, you know, to, to pick up those travels. So, like I said, our management team, you know, um, our development team that, that, that works with us, you know, they go back in and say, okay, this is why we're missing travel. So, we need to reposition ourselves. We need to reposition adjust to standing here instead of standing here so we're able to see the, um, the pivot foot, you know, we're able to pick up the pivot foot, you know, first um, before we look at anything else, you know. So, we have guidelines, you know, that we look at, you know, you know, you know it could be pivot, pivot defender on ball, you know, so we, you know, we know in the perimeter, we have to look at certain things in the post, we have to look at certain things. So we're able to pick up those things. See, a lot of players have gotten away with travel, (laughs) you know, is, you know, is, is a bigger problem than just those players. The game is bigger than just those players. So any, anyone out there that that's violating the rule of, of, of traveling that we're going to call it. So, you know, we don't single any player out to say that, you know, that it's a bunch of travels. That's, you know, that's a lot of people think that, but that's not how um, we operate as officials. Not, man, see, listen, I know we got a lot of questions, so I'm going to let my book, no, my guys go. Have, but we got to come, questions. you're going to have to come back, man, because I got a lot of questions for you. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. No problem. I'm, I'm here to answer the questions. No problem. Kelvin Coe has PTSD from his time playing basketball. I understand. He 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 came he came out of the the, the PSAC. I know them guys. The PSAC. Let me tell you, Evan. Every, any given night in that PSAC division, 
We calling about 50,000. That's before halftime. <laughs> Those guys, that's, that, let me tell you, that Pennsylvania conference is probably one of the best Division II conference in the country, but one of the most the hardest conference to officiate as far as the level of physicality, man. Them guys uh, brutalize each other every night, and if you let the game go. Glad to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> So um, the one question I, I do have, I've seen this happen numerous, on numerous occasions where a guy goes up for a layup, he gets fouled. If he makes it, no call. If it rims out, and I've seen the guys are almost on a fast break and then all of a sudden play stops, foul call. You know what? It, that, you know, a lot of people don't know that that comes down to processing the game, right? You know, like I said, these guys are so big, they're so they're so fast, they they their their athleticism is crazy that sometimes they they go to the basket and they do get hit, but they're so strong that it's like a mosquito on an elephant. It's like it's nothing to them. They finish and it's like, okay. And there's certain guys that go to the basket that are not that big and strong that do get hit like that, and then it takes you time to, you know, sometimes it's about processing the game and you're like, oh, that is a foul. And, you know, it takes time. It, it's not – some people are like, oh, that's a late whistle. It's not a late whistle. It's just that you're processing what happened and sometimes some people are quicker processing than others. And, you know, that's that's what it comes down to. It's not like, oh, okay, I waited for him to miss and now I'm going to call a foul. Nah, we don't do that. <laughs> we don't do that. As much as people want to believe that – we don't do that here. We just sometimes your processing is like, okay, oh, he did get hit. Boom, is a foul, and you know you put a whistle on it, and it may be, you know, we call it a cadence whistle. You know, you sometimes you, the guys are just so like I said, guys are just so strong that that that's nothing to them. And you have a guy that will turn around to you and say, man, don't call that for me. I don't want that. He's like, wow, <laughs> you you get hit like, no, nah, I don't want that. I mean, you you a man amongst men. Men amongst men, you don't want that. But nah, it's it's not necessarily like oh, okay, we waited for him to own the Mister Shot. Is you processing what happened? And sometimes, like I said, sometimes guys' triggers are quicker than the other. And you know, people will say, oh, he he waited for that. Now nah, his trigger was just quicker than the other guy's trigger. But if he's a hat, if he's dribbling a half court, Evan, we might as well forget about that. <laughs> you might as well forget about it. Let it go. Well, I have a quick question. You touched upon um, James Harden and you talked about travel. Any pet peeve you have that us sitting at our couch may see on the TV and that th there's a logical explanation why things occur? Do you have anything that you want to let people know? Okay, you always talk about the zero step for James Harden. And mm -hmm. You always talk about the cadence about the foul calls. There's anything else that, you know, kind of pet peeve. Well, we sit in here and we don't see what you see. You would like the audience to know. You know, um the the you know, the plays now that are that are big that people don't really pay attention to is when the defender steps under the shooter. You know, that goes back to the whole if you remember got injured in the playoffs behind that whole thing. And and a lot of people a lot of people don't see that, you know, that these plays, as I'm saying, they get trickier and trickier that 
they'll act like they're going to challenge a shot and just turn around and then no, this they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing. You know, if you're a player and you go up and you see a guy right there, you're going to be scared and it's going to throw your shot off. And then what happens is that you land right on his foot and you turn an ankle. So that that's one thing. And uh, the block charge, a lot of people, they 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 just is one of, you know, next to the, the most difficult play, people may disagree with me, but a lot of officials know the out of bounds. The out of bounds is, when that ball is coming, I'm telling you, Phil, when that ball is coming and it gets tipped, half of the time, you better hope you've seen what happened. It's just so, it just happens so quick. And, you know, as you can see now, they have, what, in the last two minutes of the game, they had to add that to a replay trigger just because it happened so quick. Guys' hands tipping the ball and then a tip, a retip, and you, you can't tell me at home, you can see it. Everybody, oh, you I went over such and such. But during the game, it's happening so quick. You can't see that. You can't see that. And, you know, the last two minutes of the game, which, like I said, is the most important is, you know, we're able to see that. So a lot of people complain, oh, you guys are overturning this. Over to no, no, everybody don't like the replay. But they're saying it's take a lot not out of the game. But it's helped. You know, like I said, the block charge is hard. It's a hard play. You have to see, you know, if the defender feed is there, you know, we have the restricted area. He's outside the restricted area. A lot of people don't know the rules of the restricted area. You know, if the ball originates inside of the restricted area, the restricted area is no longer in effect. You know, so a lot of people don't know that. So they'll think like, oh, he ran him over in the restricted area is supposed to be a block. Not if that ball um originated in the restricted area then in the we call it the lower defensive box the in the restricted area is no longer in play it's now a basketball play so if a basketball player runs a play, person over in the restricted area and that's where the player originated then it becomes an offensive foul it's not a block you know so a lot of people don't know that you know that that you know that's a that's a big one the restricted area so wow thanks so much Nate uh you've been a tremendous um, yes, I know some people are having flashbacks and what currently want to fight you, but uh, <laughs> we are uh, thankful to have you uh, be here to kind of just enlighten us, and we definitely have to have you again. Um, is any final thing you want to say before you go? Um, I just want to say, you know, um, I'm thanking you guys just for having me on. It's just a, a blessing, you know, just to be on a, a podcast with with everyone that's a part of it. And, you know, the good things I remember when um, Phil first um, spoke to me about what he was um, planning on doing. And I was, you know, 100% um, supportive of what he was doing. And, you know, I'm just happy that, you know, we're still friends and we still – able to to reach out and talk to each other about um just life things and you know i'm just happy that you guys as 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 black people you know are doing good things to help to uplift us as well and show you know the community that we can do other things and you know it's not always about sports we can venture off into other areas of our lives and be very successful and i'm just happy for this game of basketball i'm happy to be official 
like I said, that Phil um, really brought me back, you know, to, you know, my one of my mentors always talk about humble beginnings. And that was a humble beginning because that was one of the beginnings of, of my strive to get to where they told me I wasn't going to be. And by, you know, me having faith in God and believing and staying strong in, in his calling, he's brought me here. Even though I got weak, you know, the path is not easy. You know, it's easy to to, to, to to lose faith and get weak, but just having people around me to uplift me and make me strong. So I just thanking God for that and thanking God for my family and friends that are around me, you know, and for you guys, I will continue to uplift you guys in my prayers. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of A Lady and Some Dudes. Please remember to follow us, like, share. We are on Facebook and Instagram. Our Facebook handle is at a lady and that is the and sign, some dudes. Our handle on Instagram is a lady and some dudes. Everything is spelled out. So that's a lady, A and D, some dudes. Until next time.